Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing, the show where busy people like you learn how to build substantial passive income while creating wealth for the long term. And now, here's your host, Marco Santarelli. Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Marco Santarelli. Well, I hope everyone is staying safe and well as many of us are having to be quarantined during these interesting times. Recently, I received a message from one of our new clients and he reached out to me and said, your podcast significantly impacted my recent real estate purchases. I worked with one of your investment counselors and we just closed on five houses last month. Thank you for the information you provide for us in order to reach our financial dreams. I just picked up the book, The Wealthy Gardener, and can't wait to dive in. Keep the podcast flowing. Thanks so much. Now, this person, Tim, is a new client, and I just realized that he started working with us just three months ago. So he's off to a roaring start with five closings in, in three months. So I thought, this guy has a lot of energy, and he's obviously goal-driven. I thought it would be a great idea to get him on the show. It's been a while since I had an investor client on, so I thought I'd invite him, and I did, and he graciously accepted. So with that... I'd like to go straight to the interview and uh, find out what Tim has been doing and have him share some of his background and his journey and some of his tips and advice for investors, whether you are a new investor or a seasoned investor. So with that, let's get straight to the interview. It is my pleasure to welcome one of our current clients. His name is Tim. He is a great guy, and I know that he is very excited about what he is doing in terms of investing because from the messages I got from him, I can just tell that he was passionate about what he's doing. He grew up in Southern California. He went to California State University in Long Beach. He got a career in the fire service. He's a married person with three beautiful kids, and he's got some lofty goals that I'll let him share with you. So with that, Tim, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Marco. It's an honor and a privilege. Well, the honor is mine. And listen, I, I was excited to get you on because to be quite honest with you, I don't bring too many clients or investors onto the show. It's really more of a you know show about you know the tactics and strategies. And But I think a lot of listeners like to hear what other investors are doing and what they're thinking and how they made their decisions. And, and this is why I was excited to get you on the show because I thought, oh, wow, this is a guy who's pretty passionate. He's got some clear goals. He knows what he, he wants to do and where he wants to go over the next five years. And I know that because you've shared it with me, but I'm going to let you do the sharing. So let's just begin with you. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what keeps you motivated. All right. Well, I grew up in Huntington Beach and became a lifeguard for the city of Huntington Beach and that kind of transitioned to that career in the fire service naturally. Um, the thing about when I was going to get hired in about 2008 to 2010 was that economic recession and that really slowed down hiring in the fire service and it made it so competitive. But one thing that pushed me through is a mindset and that mindset was kind of what Napoleon Hill talked about in Think and Grow Rich is you need to focus on something and don't let anything stop you. So with that mindset, I got hired pretty quickly in the in comparison to a lot of my peers. And that was about 10 years ago. So now my wife and I, we live uh, locally here in Orange County. We homeschool our three kids. And I provide for the family as the sole um, breadwinner. And she stays home um, just to manage our household. 
we might, so all my motivation comes from just being able to spend as much time as possible with my wife and kids. And we enjoy taking an RV that we have a partnership in all over the town, um, out of state and camping, surfing, rock climbing, you name it. I just really enjoy spending time with my family and watching our kids grow and, and mold them. Um, we're, we're very focused and based in our church locally. And that really has helped kind of keep us grounded. And as we see these future gains, it's not really going to change our lifestyle. We're just going to try and have that snowball effect to just push through to get that financial freedom. So I don't have to be gone 72 to 96 hours a week working at the firehouse. I didn't know you homeschooled, Tim. Uh, You probably know that we homeschool our daughter. And um, recently, uh, interestingly enough, I've had a number of people come out of the woodwork asking me via email, how do you homeschool? They're just asking questions. And I thought I'll record an episode on homeschooling. And actually that one is set to come out, I think next week. So it's, um, it's pretty interesting that you homeschool. I had no idea. Yeah, it's, um, I would love to say that I homeschool, but it's mostly my wife. She is a saint and she is so good at what she does. We prayed hard about it because we were at the point where almost all three of our kids were going to be at the school. And we literally live about 100 feet from the school that our kids went to. <laughs> so having them home instead of having them away during the day, we, were, we really took advantage of that time to just make our marriage oh, yeah. stronger. And it, it was a big decision, but I would never go back and change it. And I, we give our kids the option every single time we talk about homeschool versus public school, and they always say, no, we don't want to go back. So I think we're, I know we're doing the right thing. And it has shown in our kids' behavior, their learning, their um, achievements. It's been astronomical. Fantastic. I'm happy to hear that. Well, family is a great motivator. And I, I love the fact that you mentioned Napoleon Hill and Think and Grow Rich. I assume you've read it at least once. And it's probably a great book to read once a year because the principles in there are essentially timeless. So, um, you know, the, the whole thing about focus is that your energy flows where your focus, I forgot how the saying goes, but you know, where you put your focus is where energy flows. And obviously you've got that clarity. What are your real estate goals? You must have defined goals by the sounds of it. Yeah. So um, just listening to a lot of your podcasts, you know, remember the saying that people underestimate what they can do in one year, but overestimate what they can complete in 10. And my goal was just to have a short-term goal of, of five years, kind of what can I accomplish five years? And then since I'm very objective based at my job, I can put every single effort every day to make sure I'm advancing towards those goals. So our short-term goals, essentially, they're lofty, but my goal is to get 50 properties in the next five years. And then after that, just reassess and see what that looks like, see what our financial situation looks like and how the performance of those properties stack up. Yeah. And you're, uh, you're, you're well on your way because if I remember correctly, you closed on, I think, five single family homes over the last six months. Is that correct? Yeah. So I work with a firefighter and she was working with Oliver Fu and I was sitting at the table, you know, at lunch and she was kind of going through her property thing. And that's kind of how I got exposed to the whole thing. And so that was all went down in about December. So we closed on five properties in like three months. Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's great. I mean, that's, I, I was about to say that's aggressive. It's not aggressive. That's just, you know, quick. You're obviously focused in not sitting on your 
you know, your butt thinking about it, you're actually doing it. So that's, that's great. And that's what I wish more people would do because there's a lot of people sitting out there that have the desire and the knowledge and the credit and capacity and cash to do it. And they just think about it for a long time. Then ultimately they make the decision, but then they look back and realize, oh man, that wasn't, that wasn't hard at all. I should just have started sooner and you're just actually doing it. So I hope that is an inspiration to some people listening to this. So, you know, I think of real estate investing and investing in general as a journey. So, you know, tell me about your journey as an investor, whether it's real estate related or otherwise. How did you get started in real estate investing? Obviously, you spoke to this lady. Did you have anything going on before that? I I would imagine you probably were thinking about investing. So how did you start your journey here? Well, I think that either you are born an entrepreneur or you kind of fall into it and you become one. I, I think I was born one and never really knew it until I started, <laughs> until I started reading books and realized I've been, I've been thinking like an entrepreneur for years, but it wasn't until I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad that my mindset, it, it just, that book made everything click and everything so clear. So we were fortunate enough to basically have the Dave Ramsey style mentality of living simple within our means, debt free, and we saved up significant amount of money to buy a house in 2013. And that house um, over the last eight, seven, eight years has appreciated significantly. So once we had zero debt, we had our mortgage payment, we saved and saved and saved. And then I got a, a little letter from our lender saying, hey, you may qualify for a cash out refi at this rate and this price. So and that was right when I was working with um, my firefighter at the station and she was talking about how she's going to finance her, her loan to purchase those investment properties. And all of a sudden, everything just started to click. I realized I had you know, several hundred thousand dollars of untapped equity. Interest rates were low. I could cash out refi and put this money to work and start snowballing this whole real estate investment. And a great way to start too. Interestingly, I just interviewed... Uh, a lady who is not a client, but about to be a client. And that was episode 226, which just came out, I think this week. So was that the one where she wanted to invest 700,000? Correct. So coincidental, interesting timing with what you're saying. And it's coincidental that this is the week that that episode was, was released, but she is in a similar situation where she was sitting on several properties. She was equity rich, cash flow poor, as I like to say, and she had this deployable equity that she could put to work. She called it, you know, dead equity, dormant equity, but, but that's exactly what I call it. And so, um, you know, when you come to that realization that you can put equity to work and turn it into additional income producing assets, you know, you, something opens up, something clicks and you realize, wow, there's a lot that I could do here. There's a lot of pent up potential. And you came to realize that. Actually, was it the lady that turned you on to that fact or did you just discover that on your own after reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad and just thinking about all this investing stuff? It wasn't, it wasn't one single event. It was like after I read that book and I was talking to my friend Jenna and she was just like, oh yeah, if you have that, you know, and then so because she, she has a kind of a commercial real estate background, her parents are investors. Yeah. So she, she was way ahead of me and co- kind of coaching me and mentoring me. And I would bounce questions off of her. And we had a couple other firefighters at the station that had done some real estate and had been pretty savvy. So it was just a rad learning environment where everybody was 
kind of all on the same page of, yeah, nice. we, we need to invest in assets and not necessarily in liabilities. Nice. Well said. So you could have started anywhere. I mean, you could have gone down the, the road of taking an active approach to investing, like wholesaling or buying properties to fix and flip or to fix and hold, which is what a lot of people do to start with because that's what they believe real estate investing is. It's rolling up your sleeves and being actively involved in creating value or equity in a property or maybe just selling contracts. You obviously chose not to do that. Was there a reason you chose not to do that? Maybe you weren't even aware that there were these other active modalities, but you chose to go with passive rentals. Why did you do that? Well, the one thing I'm limited the most on is time. So I work 48 hour shifts, you know, two on and then four days off, but oftentimes we're required to spend extra time working at the station because we're in a staffing pattern that requires us to put forth more time than we're necessarily obligated to in overtime hours. So time was the biggest consideration is I don't necessarily have time to go out and rehab a house, especially not homeschooling three kids right. and trying to spend time traveling and investing in that. Although that is an option that I'm looking forward to in the future, especially with the potential of the next several years, depending on what this coronavirus does to the housing market. But essentially, I did that with our primary residence. We we bought it and put some money into it. And I did 100% of the rehab, which helped, you know, sweat equity, put you know over $300,000 worth of equity, all, along with the growth of the market. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy I enjoy that so much. That's, that's what I'm passionate about is um, construction and building. And that's kind of what my assign- my current assignment in the fire service is right now. But it just comes down to time. If I can put the equity from my house into houses that are going to put money in my pocket and I don't have to do a darn thing to earn that money other than an hour or two a week to make sure that the accounting is squared away, I'm 100% in. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That works. It works. It works very, very well. And, you know, you've got, you know, it's interesting. You're a person that, doesn't need that extra income right now. And so you can stay focused on building your portfolio. You're in what I call growth mode. And so you can focus on building a portfolio that's going to grow in terms of equity rather quickly. And then you can redeploy that equity into more property and grow your portfolio faster. And then you'll be at a point where you have a large enough portfolio where you can start to focus on shifting that into greater cash flow to supplement your lifestyle and and do the things you want to do, basically create that financial freedom. So, and, and you don't have to give your age out, but if I'm not mistaken, I believe you're in your thirties, right? Yeah, I'm 35. Okay. Awesome. So you've got plenty of time on your side. There's a lot that you can do going forward and we're certainly going to help you do that. By the way, just out of curiosity, how has your experience been with, with working with my team here? So I have already told all my friends, all my coworkers, they're sick of hearing about me, hear about me talk about real estate and <laughs> Narada and my friend Oliver Fu. And but the overall experience has been nothing but successful. And I think a lot of people get skeptical because there is a significant amount of trust that that I have put out in Narada and the team that they have. Because at the end of the day, I'm taking their wisdom and their advice your wisdom and your advice and, and really having to make a decision, a financial decision based on that, because I don't know everything. And I, luckily I, I got, um, met up with Oliver Fu through Jenna Stark and I was 
um, Oliver and I got along really well and we just kind of clicked and I took his advice and so far it's been nothing but rewarding. Well, we appreciate your trust and, you know, it's our role to educate and guide. You know, we are not financial advisors and we don't give specific advice. We just provide you the knowledge and the tools and resources that you need to make the right decisions. And so all we can do is point you in the right direction and provide you with that knowledge and the tools and the education and the resources. And and at the end of the day, you're making the decision, but hopefully you'll make the right decision based on objective information and not emotional decisions. And part of that is just taking the blinders off. A lot of people walk around with blinders. They don't realize what they can do, should do, where to look, what to avoid. I, I talk to a lot of people who are just California residents and they believe, oh, I have to invest one mile away. You know, that's what I was told by the quote unquote gurus. And they're just living under this, this false paradigm of investing within a one hour drive of their home. But they've been looking for a deal for three years and they can't find it and they still won't be able to find it. So they're going to be stuck where they are for the longest time. And that kind of segues into a question I'd like to ask you is, did you have an issue with long distance or out of state investing? No, absolutely not. Because the team at Narada and the trust that we've developed over time has made it so easy and so smooth. Or so smooth. Speaking with Aaron Chapman, trust him. I followed his advice to the T and everything. We closed in 28 days on all the properties. I mean, trusting Oliver saying, hey, let's go with linear markets that are going to cash flow as our, as our base, not necessarily jumping into cyclical markets at the peak of the market. And I know I'm going to make mistakes, but the key is to learn or to earn while you learn. And that was my, my mentality. And luckily, Oliver and I, we kind of lined up our, our goals. I took his advice. My wife and I prayed about it, and we took our, our trust, we poured it into Narada and Aaron Chapman's lending team, and we trust ultimately trusted the um, turnkey providers that we invested in. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate all that. And for those listening, Aaron Chapman is actually just one of our pool of about, I don't know, seven or eight mortgage lenders and uh, brokers that we work with that we recommend. So they're all great. Aaron is fantastic. So um, I, I'm glad that all panned out for you. Um, Tim, you know, markets are very important as you are well aware and investors often don't even know where to start. How did you end up picking the markets that you invested in? In fact, I honestly don't even know what markets you're in. If I remember correctly, I believe one was in Northwest Indiana and I don't know where the other four are. How did you pick those markets and, and did you actually even know where to start? No, I had no clue where to start. Uh, my coworker, Jenna, she invested in Northwest Indiana and she was kind of showing me the numbers. And so I kind of created my own spreadsheet that I got offline. I kind of tweaked it to how I wanted it to work. And then all I did was plug in numbers. I ran probably over 100, 150, maybe even 200 properties through wow. my spreadsheet. And what that did is it kind of, it showed me the cash flow because it was very objective. Sometimes you can take a pro forma from say another provider and they you know, put in appreciation and then depreciation and tax advantages into that return on investment. So what I did is I took, I took all of their objective data, plugged it into my spreadsheet and that spit out my, what I wanted to look at was my true cash and cash return investment. So basically I ran, I ran markets from Alabama, Texas, Tennessee, Oklahoma, Little Rock, I mean, all over the place from a couple different providers. And 
essentially the providers that Narada has in Indiana and Baltimore were the ones that just gave me the best cash on cash return. And my goal was to just have a solid cash base that I can invest my equity and not necessarily have to bet on equity growth since we are at the base of I purchased at the peak of the market. I wanted linear markets that were just going to cash flow consistently with with normal normal appreciation, but nothing too aggressive. Well, that's a good strategy. I I wouldn't say that you're at the peak of the market in those two markets at this point in time. Markets do cycle and they do take breathers and there will always be pullbacks when interest rates go up or you have economic disruptions or you go into a recession and nobody knows what's going to happen this year you know, with this coronavirus pandemic that's going on, um, there definitely will be some blowback with, you know, with the increased unemployment and whatever else goes on. But, you know, I always say that the cash flow in your deal is the glue that holds your deal together. So if property values go up 4% one year and then down 4% the next year, and you have this, this cycling or what, you know, what you call channeling, uh, that's okay. You know, th- those property values just change on paper. They don't actually become realized gains unless you sell the property or you exchange the property for something else. So yeah, if you've got cash flow, you essentially are amortizing the loan month after month as time goes on. And over the medium term and long term, those properties will increase in value. It just They just have to because of the inflationary environment. So you're going to be fine. Um, but um, yeah, I just say that because, you know, when when you you make the comment we're, you know, near a peak, the question is what market are you talking about? There's over 400 markets in the US. Some of them have passed their peak and they're coming down like San Francisco. Uh, other markets are are still growing very strong. And that's just because of pent-up demand and lack of supply. I think you made a great decision in the markets that you uh and you chose and I know you had some guidance from from Oliver so I guess the answer to the question that I asked you is you really didn't know what market you were going to invest in. You did some, probably some research and due diligence, but ultimately you followed Oliver's advice? Yeah, exactly. I just trusted Oliver because he's been in the game way longer than I have. And okay. he pointed me to a couple of providers. I ran the numbers and some of them, initially a couple of them, I was like, I, I don't feel comfortable pulling the trigger on these properties. Is there anything else? And he's like, well, actually... We just partnered with CR Maryland, so here's a couple. Here's a couple in Baltimore, and I'll, as soon as I saw those numbers, I'm like, "This is it." It was all just a numbers game for me. Yeah, nice. All right, cool. So everyone has a different criteria when it comes to choosing properties. You chose those properties for various reasons. What was the criteria that you were looking for in making that decision? So I wanted um, something that the property. I trusted the property management. And, and based on the relationships that Oliver has had, I just took his advice and I trusted the property management because that's going to make or break the deal. So did you have a specific criteria in terms of what you wanted to see from the property in the property or maybe the neighborhood? Were you, were oh. you that detailed or, or focused or was it really more of a high level recommendation and then you looked at the numbers and made a decision from there? Oh yeah, sorry. Um, so I wanted a B-class neighborhood. I wanted a single family and my purchase price was, you know, between 120 and 160. And all I did was when I looked at the the cash on cash return, as well as the fact that I was in a linear market, so the potential for equity growth was, you know, reasonable. I just plugged in numbers, and when I saw 13% returns in Baltimore, as far as my cash on cash return, that's when I started getting really excited. 
And the cool thing about that I really enjoy about working with Xander is that his um, company charges only 6% for their property management fees. And likewise with George and Indiana, they charge 10, but after you get four properties, they drop it down to eight. So I think that two or 3% really makes a difference when you think about the amortization over however many years you're going to hang onto the property. That just really increases your returns. Sure. Interestingly, a lot of property management companies are fine with giving you a break on that monthly management fee when you have volume. If you're just a guy coming in from out of state and you have one property, you know, it's probably going to be 10%, sometimes nine or eight. But when you're at four properties or more, in other words, you've built that footprint in that one market, you know, they're, they're pretty open about giving you a break. You know, they're going to treat you just the same as any other investor that they're working with, but they realize that, okay, you're not a, a one-shot deal, a mom and pop that's just buying one property. You're actually serious. You're a professional investor. And I, I like the idea of building a footprint in a market, you know, of three to five properties or maybe more, and then moving on to a second market and doing the same thing, and then going to a third market and doing the same thing there. And, and that, right. that builds a great foundation for your, your, for your portfolio. And then you could build it up beyond that. And I mean, your goal is 50. So you're probably looking at potentially, hypothetically, five markets with about 10 properties on average each. Ultimately, exactly. that's what you're going to do. So, Yeah. And it was interesting because my first contract I got in with was in Northwest Indiana and the returns there were pretty good. It was uh, cash flow in about 350 a month and the cash on cash return is right around 10%. Well, my Baltimore properties are, are cash flow and higher and the re- cash on cash return is higher, but my next couple properties are going to be in Northwest Indiana because they have that draw from Chicago, Chicago. metro area. Yeah. And I think that the potential for that is going to be astronomical. Yeah, it is. Chicago's, uh, you know, a very solid growing metro area. And, you know, there's population growth, even though it's cold in the wintertime, the people are still living and moving there. So, um, but yeah, a lot of people don't realize that Northwest Indiana is really just an extension of the metro area for Chicago. But half the uh, property taxes. With half the property taxes, exactly. Just cross the border and you pay less tax. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be in Illinois. Yep. So investing is a journey. I I like to say that, uh, you know, that investing as a journey takes investors from frustration to freedom. And that's really the journey that I'm mapping out here on a project that I'm working on on the side, which I'll reveal to everybody here in the very near future. What was your biggest frustration before you got started on this journey? My biggest frustration before I got started on the journey uh, for real estate investing? Yeah. Or did you have one? I mean, most investors (laughs) do. I think the biggest frustration was just finding the right market. And I lost a little bit of sleep because, you know, as a new investor, I'm like, am I doing the right thing? Is this the best thing for my family? Is increasing my mortgage and taking that risk, is it worth it? Well, the answer is yes, it is worth it 100%. And I dove in head first. And as of right now, even with this whole um, coronavirus slowdown, I haven't felt it at all because both the providers have given me um, one year rent, rent insurance guarantee. Right. Well, that's good. Um, yeah, I mean, one of the biggest frustrations I hear, uh, it's similar to yours, but investors say, I can't find a deal. You know, I've been looking and looking and I can't find, I can't find a deal. Either the numbers make sense and the property needs a lot of work or the property is great, but the numbers don't pencil out. And so uh, this is the reason why so many investors look out of state. They go long distance. They invest in other markets because you don't actually have a choice. I mean, you and I live here in Southern California 
And it's really hard to find anything that provides a, a reasonable rate of return, whether it's a cap rate or a cash on cash return. And even when you find it, it's incredibly quote unquote expensive. I mean, we're look, we're talking five, six, seven hundred thousand dollar properties with a 20% down payment that doesn't provide much in terms of a return. And you can do so much better out of state as you already know. I'm preaching to the choir here. Yeah, absolutely. And so I, I guess I was frustrated in the sense that after we purchased our home in 2013, I was always my frustration was like, I, I'm almost living paycheck to paycheck, you know, with our small savings. What can I do to pr- better provide for my family and set them up for future future success? So my frustration wasn't necessarily with finding markets and investing in real estate. Because as soon as I saw the path that I was going to take, I found those properties. We, we, we signed and closed within 30 days for all those properties. So for me, personally speaking, for our experience, has been very smooth, very, very seamless. And now my frustration is I'm out of capital and I want, there's like so many different markets and, you know, opportunities that are coming up. So I guess that's the hindsight is always 2020 is making the right decision. And then afterwards you're seeing, okay, I could also could have invested here or there, but that's, like I said, I want to earn while I learn. So I'm going to make mistakes, but I didn't want to let that stop us from taking that first step. No, you're off to a great start, Tim. And, you know, keep something in mind that a lot of investors are probably acquiring one or two properties a year because that is the pace that they can save investable capital for. You know, the lady I just interviewed on that episode that came out this year that has 7,000, 700,000 in equity, you know, mm-hmm. that that was built up over the course of years ac- across multiple properties. And now she has that equity to tap into. So it's a form of savings. It's really just appreciation, not so much savings as far as earned income, but most people, I mean, you're you're kind of in that norm where most people have one household income, maybe two, and they can only put away whatever, 10, 20, 30,000 a year, if that, in terms of investment investment capital. So you either earn that capital and save it to invest and or you get it from other sources, whether it's an inheritance or it's equity in principal residence or it's equity in some other properties that you own or you have a side business and you're able to you know, accumulate earnings and put it to the side. Everybody has a source of income that comes from different places. You're probably above average actually, you know, having acquired five properties in three months. That, that's certainly above average. Like I said, most people, one to two a year. Most mom and pop investors. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one of the reasons why I jumped in head first is because as I penciled out the numbers, if I invested all of our equity right out the gates, we could buy a, another property in that same price range at the end of the year. If I held off and we only bought three, it would take us much longer. So that snowball effect is so powerful. And then just being diligent in your saving. And even though you're getting more income, we don't even consider that as income. We just save it and because we know it's going to pay off in the long run. Right. So based on, on all that, what advice would you give to new investors that are just getting started today? Well, I think that having a mindset is the most important because you are going to come in, come up to obstacles. You're going to come, you're going to have fear. You're going to have to put trust in that. You have to have the mindset of, I'm going to make this happen and I'm going to do whatever I have to do. I'm going to put in all the work. I'm going to research. And for us, we prayerfully considered these options. And ultimately you have to just take that first step in faith. And whether you buy one or 10 at the, your first time, 
to me, it's not going to matter because if you're, you're investing in one, it's to me, it's the same as investing in five. All you do is you're actually limiting your liability by having more than one property because say you have a vacancy in one, you're going to feel that. If you have a repair in one, you're going to feel that. If you have a vacancy in one out of five, it's going to be diluted. So my advice is have a mindset that you're not going to quit and use that mindset to help motivate you to, to, so you can accomplish your why. And for me, providing for my family and spending my time with my family is my why. So I can give my wife a break from homeschooling our three kids all day long. Everything you just said was so well said. I, I couldn't have said it any better. That was just spot on. I love Thanks. it. So similar question, what advice would you give to seasoned investors looking to grow? So this is a similar question, but now that you've got five under your belt and I can almost call you a, oh, I will call you a seasoned investor. <laughs> a seasoned of three months investor. Exactly. <laughs> what advice um, would you have for seasoned investors? I think one thing that I love my wife so much. She's, she's amazing. I, I come home and I'm like, babe, look at this property. It's, you know, some, some, she's like, we have we have literally zero capital to spend on a house right now. I'm like, yeah, but I could go and I could find, you know, a seller fight. And she's like, let's just take a year, take a breath. Let's get some, get, get some capital back in our bank account before we can. So sure. in that perspective, I would say, don't be afraid to pump the brakes and make a, make a wise decision because I, I'm all about momentum. I'm objective-based. I want to get those 50 properties as quickly as possible. She is, luckily, I'm grounded by an amazing um, Christ follower of a wife. And I think we balance each other really well. So I can't call myself, I wouldn't consider myself a seasoned veteran of a real estate investment, but think about the current times and make your decisions wisely. Don't jump headfirst. Um, on a deal unless you know it's a good it's a great deal nice perfect segue to kind of how i want to start wrapping this up here you know they say that experience is the greatest teacher and a lot of wisdom is gained by the experiences that you have when you compare that to just basic knowledge through education and schooling so looking back what would you have done differently i know looking back is not that long ago it's probably you know, the last three to six months, maybe a year, whenever you started thinking about this pretty, pretty intently, but looking back, what, what would you have done differently? If anything, I don't think I would change anything, but if I knew now what I, if I knew then what I knew now, several years ago, I, I may have house hacked and trying to figure out a way where I could boost that earning and sacrifice the short-term comfort because mm-hmm. that really having that capital, that dispendable capital um, in a potentially downturn of the economy is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything. I guess um, the biggest thing is I wish I would have just started reading books about uh, two years ago because there's so many good books right now. I've just dove in about halfway through the Wealthy Gardener, and there are so many great life lessons in there. And you just think about it like, man, these these are timeless timeless, valuable um, bits of wisdom. And if I would have read that, you know, years ago, Rich Dad, Poor Dad read that years ago, it would have just changed our overall mindset. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm, I'm making a bold prediction that uh, The Wealthy Gardener might become the next Rich Dad book, not in the series, but the next Rich Dad, Poor Dad type of book, just yeah, because absolutely. of how it's well, how well it's written and just the principles and lessons that come out of a story-based educational book and it's so easy to read yeah 
Yeah, I've listened to the audiobook twice now. It's great. Yeah, it's amazing. Thank uh, you, John. If you're listening, thank you for writing that book. I, I, I will tell him. He emails me every once in a while. He's a great, great guy. Yeah. So uh, you probably answered this. Are you happy with your accomplishments so far? Sounds like you're you're pretty stoked about it. Oh, absolutely. I'm I'm so pumped because the returns that we're getting and you multiply that times 12 months and we, we have the down payment for another property in that same area. So I'm excited to see the snowball effect. I'm excited to learn while I earn. And yeah, it's this is game changing. When, when you talk to somebody who doesn't really know or care about real estate and you're like, man, I wish I would have known this like 10 years ago. This would have just been absolute game changer for my family. But you can't change the past. You can only change the future. So one, um, one thing I wrote down about the wealthy gardener is um, when he's talking to his neighbor and he says, everybody basically has three options, right? You can decide not to try, you can try and fail, or you can try and succeed. But at the end of the day, how will you have felt having not tried at all? And looking back, there's no way I'm going to change how, how we invest from now on. And we tried and so far we're succeeding and I'm going to continue down that path. And luckily we have a great team with Narada that we can share that wisdom and I can get that guidance and counseling. Even though I've closed on those five properties, we can still talk to Oliver and, and gain wisdom and insight as far as future investments go. Yeah, I appreciate that, Tim. You actually uh, teed me up with your last comment about the last question I, I wanted to ask you, and this is always my closing question. Uh, 20 years from now, if you were able to come back and give yourself some advice today, what would that be? In 20 years, if I could come back, and say, hey, Tim, yep. do this. Um, spend more time with your family, not being distracted by the real estate market and the economy. Nice. That'd be my guess. Nice. Um, simply because <laughs> I'm, I'm so, like I said in the past, I'm so objectively driven. Like I will work literally 24 hours in a day yeah. to make something happen. And my wife has pointed out to me, she's like, you only, our kids are only going to be young ones. Like you spent five hours on the computer spend some time with your family. And so that has been my biggest challenge is wow. turning off that real estate mindset to where I can just focus and be present with my wife, be present with my kid. Yeah. Yeah. You and I suffer the same quote unquote problem. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a blessing it, and a curse. It's, it totally is. Absolutely. Well said, Tim. Hey, you know what? I, I'm not going to keep you any longer. This has been a lot of fun. You're a smart guy. Congratulations on your investments. Great momentum. Keep up the momentum. And at the same time, spend time with your family. So absolutely, I really want to thank you for taking the time to come on. And you know, if there's anything I can do for you, please let me know. Thanks so much. Um, this podcast has meant so much to my wife and I. We've learned so much, and and I just want to say thank you so much for providing this free content. Your team is unreal. Um, thanks to Oliver once again for making this first footstep in the real estate investment possible for my family and I. You are super kind. It's been a pleasure. Tim, you are super kind. Thank you so much for your kind words. And I'll make sure that Oliver and the rest of the team knows it's, there's more people working behind the scenes that that you don't know about. So really it's a team effort, but yes, thank you so much. Of course. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Tim, thanks for your service and everything you do. Um, I'll let you get back to work. I appreciate you taking the time. Thanks so much. So I just want to say, I think Tim has done an incredible job in what he has achieved here in the last three months. And really, it's probably the last six months or more because he did start by educating himself, by listening to podcasts, particularly ours, reading books, and just being interested in the topic of 
personal development, finance, creating wealth, passive income. So there's really no excuse. There are literally hundreds, if not thousands of books on the subject of everything from entrepreneurship and business through investing, whether it be in the stock market, real estate, just general wealth creation, whatever it may be. Uh, There's no reason why you shouldn't be educating yourself. And guess what? You're going to thank yourself down the road. Your family's going to thank you. And your children's children are going to thank you. So education is important, but more importantly is you need to take action because the education by itself won't get you anywhere unless you have some goals and you take action. And look at Tim. He's a great example. He's probably been thinking about this for years. He's probably dove in educating himself in the last six to 12 months, but he finally took action. And in the last three months, he closed on five great rental properties in excellent neighborhoods. And so that's a fantastic start and a good foundation to his financial future. So if you need help with that, by all means, go to our website. We've got tons and tons of free content, the podcast, and anything else we can help you with. Just let us know. We'll point you in the right direction and provide you the resources that we have. If you think you're ready or you're about to be ready and you haven't had a strategy session with one of our investment counselors, just go to the website, fill in the form. We will quickly assign you to somebody. And there's no cost and there's no obligation. This is just something to help you get on the right path and make sure that you get to where you want to get to. And that's about it. So remember to subscribe if you haven't done so. Spread the word, visit us on iTunes and leave us a rating and review. I greatly appreciate that. So thank you in advance. And once again, thanks for listening to the show. We will see you on our next episode. Are you looking for a roadmap to financial freedom? If so, we have a solution for you. Narada Real Estate is offering a limited number of free strategy sessions to help you get out of the rat race. Learn how you can create wealth and build monthly passive income. To set up a time with one of our knowledgeable investment counselors, simply go to naradarealestate.com. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com. Nothing on this show should be considered specific personal or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate legal, tax, real estate, or business professional for individualized advice. For distribution or publication rights in media interviews, please contact the host.